we measured our biggest trade show of the year. We had spent more than $50,000, not including travel or any of those different things on the booth. We had scanned somewhere around 100 badges for the show, and we created zero opportunities and closed zero deals. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, Stephen, the Knucklehead. And I'm excited about Chris Walker's story. One, because I'm going to find out things about Chris and his business here. But you, the listener, are going to be able to understand what his business does. Honestly, what the process has been for him to go from being interested in topics to actually perfecting some of those topics to actually being able to help coach other people to become perfectionists at their particular craft. And so I don't necessarily know if we're going to go through the entire process right now, but I will tell you that at least one part of the story you're going to latch on to. And then you're going to go back and find Chris. I'd suggest to find him on LinkedIn because that's how we became acquainted. So Chris, welcome to the show. How in the hell are you? Really happy to be here, Stephen. Things are going great. Good. Good. And you're in Uzbekistan. Is that right? Is that, uh, is that uh, I'm in the lovely town of Boston in the Seaport District. It's cool. uh, cold and rainy here, but we are looking forward to a nice summer. Very cool. Very cool. Is there any update on when the Bosox are actually going to be back to the drawing board? I mean, is that a, is that a hot topic of discussion across the, the Boston airwaves? You know, I'm, I, over the past probably decade, I've gotten a lot more close with my Patriots. And there's been some really, really significant changes to the group over the past couple of weeks. But yeah, I, I, honestly, I just don't follow the Red Sox all that much. Well, you bring up uh, you bring up an interesting point that I don't even know if there's enough pain that you could describe the amount of you know now this change with Jimmy Jimmy G uh, on the other side of uh, of the country and you know Brady is gone and now Gronk is is I mean it's what do you, what do you need to do and I know that we're boring our listeners they don't t- they don't tune into this for for mm-hmm. sports updates but at the same time it it is interesting to think about a dynasty that's been completely pulled apart I don't even want to get into that right now but all right Let's so jump. Chris. Let's educate some of these folks because going into your background specifically, when you talk about performance marketing, I think copywriters, folks that have been able to manipulate words or smash everything together in order to receive a desired result and direct response, there's subject matter experts that have dated all the way back to the early 1900s and the 1800s for being able to use communication to effectively derive a result. However, in your business, that's not all you do. That's just a component of what it is that you do. I'm interested. How did you discover, you know, marketing as a uh, as a passion, or how did you how did you actually discover that there was a career behind this messy middle between sales and advertising known as marketing? Yeah, for sure. So, a couple notes on performance marketing. I'm a, I'm a fan of performance marketing. I do think it gets you some places. The marketing that we do is mainly for companies that are selling a product that costs more than ten thousand dollars a year, and so in a complex sales process it is not realistic to cold target someone on Facebook and say, Hey, come get a demo of my software and expect a bunch of people to close at a rate that is efficient or, or cost effective. And that is the reason we've moved away from it in a specific part of the buyer's journey. So yes, we'll run performance marketing and Google AdWords where someone's searching. I need a corporate financial business management software. And when they search that we're absolutely going to buy the term and we're going to track that from a, at a performance marketing type of metric level. Um, but we do not use those metrics in a lot of other channels, which people do, specifically social. I believe social is an awareness channel, not an intent channel, and therefore shouldn't be measured in the same ways that Google direct response is measured. However, 
most companies out there still continue to do it that way, which then drives them to do all of the wrong things that makes the performance metrics look good and the business results look not so good. I heard it said a long time ago, my background's Marine Corps, right? So this is Knuckleweight Podcast, not you did it perfectly the first time, podcast or Guy Raz's How You Built It or anything along those lines. This is what you screw up. What'd you, what'd you mess up and how was it painful? And I've always heard that there's a reason why generals don't essentially write policy because there's not a general on the planet that you know once they're in charge could use more troops, could use more time, could use more planning in order to effectively execute, right? Uh, almost similar to this crisis that we're running into right now with the pandemic. There's a reason why medical professionals don't write policy. They consult with decision makers, which essentially are elected officials. But in this instance, you know, whenever you come up with SOPs or, or KPIs or the metrics to establish which channels to optimize or double down as a marketer, how did you gain some of that experience? I mean, where did you run against like discovering that social was a, an awareness channel as opposed to an intent channel? How did you come up with that? Yeah. So probably about six years ago in my career, I made a big shift where I basically stopped believing in and auditing all my assumptions on what I'd been taught about marketing. And so instead of just thinking about certain things, I would actually measure them and experiment with them. So we went to the trade shows and I'd been doing that for five years before this, this time period, six years ago. And I had been qualitatively just like anecdotally feeling like this doesn't feel like it's working. This doesn't feel like the conversations are at a deep level. It doesn't feel like the people that we're talking to are going to buy things. It doesn't feel like this is worth the cost of what we're paying to travel and build the booth and promote it and do all these things. And then, so eventually I got to a place where I was like, let's measure this. Like, let's see what's going on. And so we, we measured uh, our biggest trade show of the year. We had spent more than $50,000, not including travel or any of those different things on the booth. We had scanned somewhere around a hundred badges for the show. And um, we created zero opportunities and closed zero deals. And uh, I think of a lot of people, if they measure their trade show, they will get a very similar result. Um, they might have opportunities that were already existing that they moved forward by having meetings outside of the booth to, to create deals that they'll attribute that way. But you do not need a booth to do that. And so if you look at the booth and measure it on cold lead generation that attributes to sales, you're going to find a very poor result. And then at Vapotherm, like uh, maybe five or six years ago when I built Demand Gen, where I really figured out my model, I tested all these things. I ran paid social ads that said, come get a demo. And I watched the cost per lead and the and then the customer acquisition costs and the ineffectiveness of follow-up and how tough it was to get someone that filled out that form to get a demo for our $25,000 product. Like, it just didn't make sense. And then I took a step back and I was like, why isn't this happening? And then I used like some empathy to understand, okay, like these people probably have never heard about us. They don't know anything. Like why would they want to have our sales rep come to their hospital and give them a demo of this product? Like what they're doing is just fine. They're not educated. And then, so the next step that we did is I did a survey and we surveyed more than 500 people that work in hospitals at the exact job titles that we're going after. And we asked them a couple of things. Uh, the first thing was what's the first step when you're looking to buy something? The first step was not talk to a sales rep. It was research online. And then it, I said, the next question was, when would you like to speak to a sales rep? And they said, when I want a demo. 
And then, so I started to really like peel back the layers and, and continue to use, I think psychology plays a lot into here and realized that they didn't want the demo when I presented that ad to them. They wanted to see their vacation photos or their friends on Facebook. So we were forcing the demo on them, which then lead, led to the fact that there was such a high drop-off between the form conversion and someone even answering the phone. And such a, another high drop-off between if they answered the phone, did they actually get to a demo? And then if they got to a demo, did they actually close the sales? And what you'll find is that like, yeah, you might get leads for 50 bucks, but very few of them, if at all any, will become customers. A lot of my experiments, and, and we it's not just one experiment. I've done that experiment probably 20 times with 15 different companies on a bunch of different social channels. That exact experiment get the exact same result every time. The most recent one was in January of this year. And so like just through experimentation, knowing that if it doesn't work, I've learned something, have piece by piece figured out the things that work and the things that don't. Hey, you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason, so do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts. We're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do. We've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I, how do I do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So you can get in touch with us, Steven at Knucklehead Podcasts, or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions LLC and get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins and contact us today. See ya. Chris, can I ask you a question as, yeah, yeah, as you're please. going through some of the yeah, story? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested what I'm hearing is what I'm hearing is it's, you know, are you familiar with the Lego story? You know how they, they came from a family. Not exactly. You don't have to be a historian to understand uh, the significance of what you're talking about, about understanding the, the puzzle piece. And I think anybody that puts a puzzle together goes through the same process they're, where they're not quite sure exactly how this puzzle fits together. They look at all the different pieces that seemingly are just completely disorganized and all over the place, but they look at the, they look at the puzzle box, right? They look at the puzzle box and they say, oh yeah, that's what the, that's what the picture is supposed to look like, which is what every single business owner on the history of the planet does. They, they have this desired outcome that's ideal, that pr probably exists uh, in a vacuum. However, outside of all the different market forces that, that will impact that particular result, they don't understand all the, the moving pieces that come with a sale. And so Lego kind of went through a similar process where they were just were making toys. They didn't understand that there was a system of play. There was licensing opportunities. There was, you know, kids that will, that will eventually grow up and then watch movies and then take their kids to go see movies and do all the things that Lego ended up taking advantage of. But that's what I'm hearing and what you're saying. You're saying, so I'm hearing that about six years ago, rather than do what every business owner on the planet does, which is go to trade shows, you started to measure the impact of those trade shows, essentially the impact on the bottom line, which is what you were mainly interested in now as a CEO running a business. You, you want to do things that maybe cost very little and have a significant impact or tiny leaps, big changes, I think is the way that you could summarize that, mm -hmm. that intent. 
I like how you measured the anecdotal feeling that you had. You, you had said that there was a feeling there and you used qualitative measurements. People really underestimate the qualitative feeling. I just happen to have this book right here. It's called How to Measure Anything. And it's interesting the way that you're describing a lot of the scenarios because how can you measure some of what you're talking about? You know what I mean? Unless you were very intentional about it. And the, the mechanisms that people will use to measure them are flawed. By trying to make people jump through hoops in order to measure something, you actually dilute the effectiveness of whatever you're trying to do. People tell me that I could measure the effectiveness of my LinkedIn post if I put a call to action on every post that said, hey, come book a demo with me or come book a call with me. But my content works because I'm not asking for anything. And so I, I think a lot of people miss that too. And in the pursuit of measurement, they actually ruin their execution. The words you use to describe some of the discovery process, you actually replace it in one of the texts that I saw in your uh, on LinkedIn. And it was the, the pace in which folks go from one stage to another. Uh, in sales, when I think of how a deal is progressing through the stages, pace is one of the biggest things that muddies the water right? Because somebody may be in a, in a position where they absolutely need what it is that you do and they didn't know you until they actually started to consume. And, and it almost creates this, it, psychology is probably a good way to describe it, but this, this insatiable desire to consume more of what it is that they discovered about you because you're speaking directly to their need. And mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. And I, we call that just Netflixing out on you. We use that described to mm -hmm. whenever we're talking to somebody about a podcast, they're like, well, why would I need one? Well, because you need to give folks the ability to Netflix out on you if they, if they like what you have to say. Mm -hmm. Right. The key and, is and that they like what you have to say. And if you really reverse engineer that, it's whether or not you're taking someone from where they are today to a better place. That's a journey. That, and, that's, and that's exactly what, what you're talking about. So it's interesting, the kind of storybook kind of kids play that now, you know, marketer, marketers are, are able to leverage in order to achieve the desired outcome for their particular business. So I got to ask you, in terms of your mindset, whenever you were running a lot of the business development channels over it, uh, I'm going to screw up the names. You say them, not me, but yeah, yeah. those businesses to where mm -hmm. you are now, talk about your mindset whenever you look at you know, some of the reports coming from your sales team or your marketing team and how did your vision change between those two? Yeah. So, um, so at Vapother, I'm super grateful for that opportunity. It changed my life and it changed my career over the two years that I was there. And when I was there, I was building a marketing engine, a demand gen function inside of a sales-driven company. And I think a lot of people that are listening to this right now will understand what I'm, what I'm talking about. It was really hard to get continued investment for people to recognize how impactful it was to the business. The metrics were so clear. But over those two years, I had to figure out how to communicate it to someone that didn't believe in what I was doing. And that is the reason why I'm able to communicate now so clearly is because I spent two years trying to figure out how, what are the, what's the way that I can say, what metrics do I need to point to? What things do I need to measure in order for someone that is traditionally outbound sales? If we want to grow, let's hire more people, more salespeople to, to believing that maybe there's an alternative, more efficient, better cut, more customer centric way to grow. And so through that opportunity, I was able to, and, and I tried a lot and some things worked and some things didn't, and I would feel what things resonated and what things didn't. I would see how people responded. And over time, I built a, a framework and a, a way of thinking about things that I think a lot of people could benefit from. Well, based off of the, the evidence that you've been able to, to accumulate over the years, let's, let's land this for, for folks that, are, that know that their business needs to go through some change. And the market dynamics that are out there right now are forcing their business to have to change. 
where, where would you say somebody would start? So let's just say, for instance, they're running a, a tech-enabled uh, third-party logistics platform where they're trying to connect shippers with available space out there in the community. That's just a, an example here. If that's a tech company that is interested in growing their business, how would they leverage some of the data that you've been able to collect to help bring their targeted users into this new kind of tech-enabled framework where everybody's working remotely and and now everything's... I mean, obviously in tech businesses, you everybody works remotely or there's a lot of folks who work remotely outside of the programmers. But the idea is how do you help folks deal with this change that's going on right now with COVID, but at the same time, set them up for success because that's essentially what your platform does. Yeah. So I think figuring out what things do not work is the easy part. If people actually care to look, the hard part is figuring out, okay, these things don't work. What things should I do instead? What things should I spend my money on instead? And I think a lot of people get stuck there is that they don't have a strategy or a tactic or whatever to position to executives to say, listen, the $500,000 we're spending on trade shows is stupid. This is not bringing our company forward, but they can't say, here's what we should do instead. And here's why, and here's what we're going to measure, and here's how it's going to work, and here's what it's going to do for our business. That's what's missing. Um, So I think let's to go back to the tech-enabled platform to connect, first off, two directional marketplaces are super tough. So that's one one thing that that makes this example more difficult, because you basically have two audiences that you need to sell to, and you need both for it to work. And so I think the first step is to kind of recognize where both audiences are. And I think that for a lot of people, that business, I mean, I'm sure that there are iterations of that in different forms of businesses all over the country already. And so I think you have to recognize that people might view what you're offering as a commodity. I think like what I offer, a lot of people look at my what I do as a marketing agency, commoditized, right? However, when you're selling, and I think a lot of people should just consider that they're selling a commodity, whatever their product is. And therefore, the way that you're going to win is on brand and awareness. Because the more people that know about you will then be have more affinity to actually buying from you. And so the way that you create more awareness is by focusing on your audience um, and focusing on what helps them be better. So here's a really good example. If you're trying to, to attract attention from truckers, I'm not sure that like how to be more efficient with your truck is the right way to attract them. I'm trying to think of like a really like clever example on the fly. I'm not sure I have one, but like here's an example. Like you could have a podcast about the best rest stops and places to stop along truck routes. It has nothing to do with your tech-enabled platform. It has nothing to do with anything, but people might listen to it that drive trucks that then lead yep. to them wondering what you do and then them deciding that, oh, like I use this other service in Sacramento, but maybe when I stop there, I'll use this one instead. Yeah, that's a it's an interesting way, and it was a fantastic attempt by you, Chris, there to uh, to, to relate to, to all those over the road truck drivers. We know you're listening, so we appreciate uh, we appreciate y'all's attention for sure. How can people get in touch with you? So if I'm running a you know a VC backed going into my Series A, and I know that I need to expand my brand awareness, how can people get in touch with the Chris Walkers of the world? Yeah, so I publish content, audience focused, no ask, not not looking for any sales out of it every day just to help people, marketers, salespeople, business owners get better. So you can follow me on LinkedIn, Chris Walker. Um, And then if you're interested in exploring whether or not we'd be able to help you, you can uh, visit our website, refinelabs.com. There's a lot of good information there. We have high production quality videos with very accomplished sales and marketing leaders that you can look at. A lot of the information that we put out, like 
you'd be able to go and take that and, and do it yourself. And that's the goal here. And so, um, yeah, those are a couple of ways to find us. I hope this information was valuable and really happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what we call here at Knucklehead Podcast, what you're talking about, which is six years ago, whenever you were run up, uh, run up against the kind of the inconvenient truth that you need to start measuring what it is that you're not even just start measuring, but what you've always done isn't necessarily going to get you going forward. It's challenge, not gonna, challenge your previous behaviors. Yes. That we just, we, uh, I like, whatever's going to put you out of business, you should start practicing for that to happen day in and day out. And that's a very difficult thing to do when you're trying to execute against what you've sold uh, in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in the recent past when you're still trying to deliver. We find that businesses or, and business owners and even folks that work within those companies, if they could think a little bit forward and have somebody like you come in and, and come up behind them. And instead of not having the answer of what happens next, because whatever you're doing is a bad idea to actually have a plan and a pathway forward that puts you in a much better position to actually start, you know, reprioritizing where your budget, where your money's going to go. So we appreciate yeah. you taking some time, Chris, for sure. For those of you who like, listen, knucklehead, we've got new episodes coming at you every Tuesday. So Chris brought it to you. He brought it to you first here. Go over to Refine Labs and go over and find on LinkedIn, Chris Walker or Refine Labs and get in touch with them. That's that's what we suggest to do. The reason why, well, it, you're gonna actually end up uncovering uh, maybe that dirty little secret or that, that muddy mirror, or that difficult lens to look through. You're gonna find a different perspective from somebody like Chris. So Chris, we appreciate you taking some time. Anything else that you wanna leave these folks with? I'm good, that was solid. All right, I appreciate it. All right, y'all, we'll see you guys.